Have you ever had the experience of traveling to another country other than the one you grew up in? It's not uncommon if, say, you're not going to try and master the language. You pick up one of those little phrase books that might be helpful, and they all pretty much have the same sorts of things. How do you say hello? How do you say goodbye? Where's the bathroom? What's a Koenig Center? All those kinds of things that are just helpful to know. If you were traveling not to Israel today, but Israel in the time of Jesus, and you were one of the disciples or you wanted to get to know them, almost certainly in your little guidebook, there would be a phrase which, outside of obvious trivialities, is a phrase that turns up almost more than any other in Scripture, and I'm sure many of you know it. It's do not be afraid. If you want to go back to biblical times and be part of that circle, you better know how to say or how to understand, do not be afraid. And if that's the phrase that turns up a lot of times, then there's obviously a reason for it. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this before or not, but it's amazing how much in the Christmas story, in all the readings we hear throughout this Christmas season, fear is woven in. Along with the joy, along with the happiness, the angels hearing on high and all the rest of it, there's this subtext of fear that's woven throughout. When the angel first comes to Mary, we know she's afraid because she's told, don't be afraid. When Joseph has to try and wrap his head around, what's this all about? We know that he's worried and he comes up with sort of a quiet plan to disengage himself from the situation. And he too has to be told, it's okay, don't worry. And perhaps never more clearly than in what we hear about today on the Feast of the Holy Family, talk about fear. Literally, Mary, Joseph, Jesus, fearing for their lives, fleeing to escape, going down to Egypt. Not only fearing for what Herod might do to them, but just think of everything that entails, to uproot, to travel to a distant place, not your home, not where there are relatives waiting to greet you, all the uncertainty that comes with that, being a refugee, leaving at night, we're told, and then waiting it out, uncertain, how is all this going to be sorted out, and then finally hearing the news, okay, Herod's dead, you can go back, and then getting the equally bad news, his son's in charge and he's not much better, so now we're going to go way up to the other side of Israel, not the place we plan to put down roots. And this subtext of fear is throughout. We sanitize the gospel a little bit for today, even as challenging as it is. Because if you notice, a couple of verses we just extract. And those are the verses that tell us Herod indeed followed through on his wishes, the slaughter of the innocents, so to speak. And so there is this subtext of fear, along with the joy, along with all the things that are rightly here, right? I'm not trying to burst your Christmas bubble. But God's M.O. seems to be those two go together. Not because they have to necessarily, but that's what it means to be human. If you're not God, then sooner or later there are going to be times in our lives, along with the joy, along with the happiness, where we come up against our own limitations, and there are fears, and there are worries. And notice that as God addresses the fear, it's not as if he takes away whatever the external cause of the fear is. 
Gabriel doesn't say to Mary, oh my gosh, you seem like you're afraid. Okay, let's come up with plan B. We don't have to do this. When Joseph learns what's going on with Mary and he's afraid, well, God can do anything, you know? Instead of a gestation period of nine months, God could have made it three years. They could have gotten married. Everything would be great. You know, then Jesus comes up. Speaking to the fear does not mean taking away whatever the cause of the fear is. God speaking to the fear, giving a reason for believing, do not be afraid, has to mean something other than the things that frighten us will just magically go away if we have the love of God. And of course, if you're like me, the lie that creeps in, because plenty of times the external cause of the fear doesn't go away, is that somehow God is sleeping on the job or God isn't there or God must want me to suffer in some way. And I say those are lies because the lie says that the love of God gets trumped if we suffer whatever it is we're afraid of. The love of God must not be really as powerful as we say it is if that scary thing is still there. And most of us, praise God, are not going to have to flee from a murderous ruler in our lives. Though maybe we know some people who do. There definitely are plenty of people in our world today who do. But that won't describe most of us. But nevertheless, as I say, as long as you're not God, we're all dealing with things that can be fearful or frightening. And I think it's entirely appropriate that these readings are given to us on the Feast of the Holy Family. Because if you notice, this subtext of fear that's woven through the Christmas story is intimately tied up with the Holy Family themselves. It's something that they have to face together. The love of God doesn't just come in isolation. We receive it in love. And ideally, we receive it with the love of those around us. I know that doesn't always happen. But that's the ideal that's held out to us. It's not that Mary was just a brave trooper, so she gritted her teeth and... No, she had the love of Joseph. And similarly for Joseph with Mary and Jesus with both of them. And that's part of this incredible, vulnerable humility that God takes on in becoming human. As soon as you have a little baby, you have the capacity for fear. I've obviously never been a father, but I'm the youngest of seven kids. And it's been kind of interesting to watch the fear of the brand new parents and the lack of fear by the time they've been through this several times. And I'm sure new parents here can relate to that, right? The world is just a universe of germs waiting to get your children and all that sort of thing. To have a little child is to have that sense of fear and love right together. Just before this Mass, my new friend Mary, she's probably got a year or two of Christmases under her belt, and she's fascinated by seeing Jesus in the manger and just wants to hold him because there's something in us that says there's a vulnerability here that we've got to protect. And God could have become human in any way possible, right? So if he chose this way, then there's got to be some reason that that is the most loving way to operate. As I said, that's God's M.O. And if it's good enough for Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, it's certainly good enough for us. And so maybe if we really want to honor this feast day and not just have it be one more retelling of the story where we know all the actors and we know the script, 
If we want to jump into this dynamic, this is a great time, along with the joy, to bring a fear that might be there in our hearts. Christmas was just two days ago. Sometimes when we all gather together, some of those old family fears have a way of rising to the top. Whatever it might be, if you have no fear at all in your life, then there's one of two possibilities. Either there's something you're not facing up to, or you're in heaven. And if it's the former, let me be the bearer of bad news. And if it's the latter, send me a postcard, because I'd love to see the place. The beauty is we don't have to face these fears alone. And so maybe for some people in the congregation today, or myself, we're the ones who are really feeling threatened. You know, maybe there's something just a little more significant than the low-grade worries that's on our mind or hearts, and we're the ones who need that offer of love. Maybe for others of us here, not so much, but we know someone in our life who's there. And maybe we're being called on this Feast of the Holy Family to be the ones who offer the love in the face of fear. What a beautiful spiritual exercise to say, I want to take this on. And it doesn't just have to be our biological families. Anyone, anyone who's entrusted to our care, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a boss, maybe it's an employee, maybe it's a neighbor. Familial love knows no bounds. But wherever it is, if you're the one who needs it, don't be afraid to reach out. And if you're the one who has it to give, don't be afraid to reach out. There's no greater way to honor this feast of the Holy Family. Do not be afraid. That's in every Christian's guidebook.